Hey guys, it's so pretty. I love it. I mean, thank you. Pretty, pretty, but masculine. How can I say that? Because it's a perfect blend between, um, nice elements of like the foofy pillow on the couch, but it's a leather couch and, you know, you got the cool ottoman that are like woven, but you've also got a nice hardwood table, you know, it's gotta be masculine or I'd burn it down. Oh yeah. yeah, you know, he, he has his bar back the there. bar's right over there. You know. Nice. Oh my gosh, I want to come hang out with you guys in your home so bad. Well, get You're your ass welcome. over here. I know, I know you right? To, you have ties to Texas, but you know you've never been to Louisiana, huh? No, I never have actually. And um it's uh it's definitely a place that I want to visit someday. And and y'all seem to be the coolest people, so it would be a Next good excuse. Month is a good time. It's Mardi Gras. So yeah, I'm not really into the big crowd yeah. type of stuff. No, no. No, we where, do it here inside Dallas. It's different. It's like, oh, you have elbow yeah. room. I'm not either. Yeah. I'm not either. Trust me. Yeah. Oh, man. Maybe next year because I've got a lot of trips planned um, because, uh, you know, I just reconnected with someone after 23 years. And uh, a bow. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> Look at you. Play up. Yeah. Yeah. It's good for it's, you. It's really awesome. You know, I spent, I spent the last year and a half, you know, doing my solo thing and right. working on my mental health and you. all kinds of stuff and, and the podcast and everything. And, you know, they always say it happens when you least expect it and, you know, don't look for it. It'll look for you. And I was like, whatever. And also too, like people like, People our age just don't look good at our age. I mean, you you all Girl, look great, whatever. But you, you know, look awesome. Yeah. No, no. Wait. I'm saying the people that are on the dating apps, yeah. they look terrible. Like, I don't understand it. Like, yes. I, I'm yes. like, I know you're my age, but my God, what have you done with your life? Like, cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> What's a hell of a drug? Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Oh, my God. oh God. Yeah. Or or just too much, I don't know what. Yeah. Potato chips. I don't know. Like I just you know, I get true. these I get these matches and I'm like, no, like you gotta be kidding me. Like, so I just was like, I was just out of the loop. I did go on one date with an anti-vaxxer Christian because I wanted to be open-minded and honestly, podcasting has made me so open-minded. Like me I want to talk me to too. people who aren't of my tribe, like, right. Because right. Yeah. When you find out, Oh, maybe they are, but not this guy. I mean, this guy, you know, uh, like it was, it was pretty much, he bragged about how expensive his ex-fiance's what uh, engagement ring was that he got her and that he just, sold a million dollar home because he's I in real estate. That. I yeah, hate that. It's like, dude, you had me at h- hello. And here you are going into this, like all these reasons right. why uh, you're a viable mate, you know? Yeah, and yeah no, I, then, that's the worst date. And that's then, how I got, that's how I got Jamie. I just bragged Yeah. Oh yeah. You were yeah, like, he listen. did not. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine. But, and then he was like, uh, you know, he kept, throwing the Bible at me and Christian stories. And so I would be like, oh, well, here's some Buddhist things that are kind of along that. Cause I told him I was a Buddhist vegan. I mean, not, to, not that I like labels, but um, I just was throwing just that being, out there. Yeah. Just yeah. up in front. So yeah. And, um, from. and, and, and I was like, let's make a deal. Let's not try to convert. Let's converse. And yeah, 
but he wouldn't, he just kept on and on about why I should be a Christian. And I just couldn't. I, and then, and then here's the worst part. Cause I know I can get a little down and dirty with y'all. Right. Yeah. 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 At the end of our date, you know, he's like, well, do you want to go back to my place? And I was like, no, you're not vaccinated. Like I, I told you already that that's not, that's not going to happen right. for us. Like I'm just right. not willing to put my, my group, my circle, my, my little tiny circle. That was like my brother and sister-in-law. Right. The people you got it. vaccinated so you could see, <laughs> right. right. You know what I mean? And yeah, I got you. That's it. And, um, and he was like, well, you know, I'm going to be the best sex you ever had. And I was like, okay. I told Jamie well, that, that too. That's I told Jamie that no, too. That, that's weird coming from his, you <laughs> know, like it's preaching. I, I can't you. imagine you'd say that. <laughs> Nobody was preaching at you. And then yeah. all of a sudden he's like, we're going to have some good premarital sex. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, but here's the thing that really gets me is that like, how dare you assume at 46, 45 years old at the time that I haven't had mind blowing sex yet. Like, and, and, and with like a soulmate with like people that I was like, this is the, my forever human kind of thing. Right. We're 45 years old, both of us. And I was just like, no, dude, like you're going to spend the whole time, like praying over me or some shit. (laughs) (laughs) Some Hail Mary's over my vagina or something. (laughs) That would have been a little awkward. Yeah. Doing like a sign of cross over your junk. Yeah. <laughs> a little hole in water instead of lube. Yeah, right. you know, you could have sat there like Buddha or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Some meditation, right? just yeah. meditating. Yeah. Oh my god! But yeah, so to have this guy that I had traveled all over Europe and um, Morocco with, just randomly hit me up on Facebook. Nice. With the same story that I've been telling people all these twenty three years, like, and then to meet up again, it was like magic, and I. I, I, we hugged first, we danced to each other. Like it was, really yeah. Cute. Excited to see. Yeah. 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 And that's then awesome. we, we hugged and I turned my face to smell his cheek. I know that's weird, but I'm a weirdo. <laughs> and guys, I know that scent is a, is like a memory trigger, it is. but, but it I is had huge. no idea how deep my really? cellular level, the, yeah. his smell like overcame my body. Well, like I it heard. was amazing. Well, first of all, I need to know this. Do you sniff people's cheeks like this or do you sniff it? Like that anarchist like, usually go open your mouth. Inhale, inhale, like a yoga. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like a yoga Midra kind of get deep into those cells. Like it was just so crazy though. It really did trigger this. Like I know this human and I, I, I loved this human once, you know, like, oh, that's, that's wow. awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. What an yeah. amazing story. Amazing. I know. I'm so stoked. And that's what I, I'm glad you talked about that Trish. Cause that's one of the one things we want to talk about is about, no, when we start the show is uh, you have been in so many freaking places and you've never joined the military. That's right. And that shocks the hell out of me. I have to tell people when I've, when I tell them, when people ask, where did you grow up? And I've got to tell them, you know, 12 different elementary schools and 12 years of elementary, four of them in fourth grade or 12, six different elementary schools in six grades or uh, in six years of elementary school. I got the first thing they always ask me is, Oh, are you military? And I'm like, no, I'm just, I come from a bohemian family that, 
Y'all are like just uh, nomads the world. or gypsies, right? Nomads. Gypsies. Yeah. Gypsies. Just- and you know what? I mean, Jamie's kind of the same way I am grew up. I mean, I've been to a lot of fucking places, but I also did 26 years in the Navy. That's the reason I've been to a lot of fucking places. Right. If I did not join the Navy, I'd have still probably never left fucking Louisiana. But you right. know, when you when you, know? you go overseas, you realize how um, great America is. No, you I'm joking, no. I'm joking. <laughs> no, that's not what I was gonna say. <laughs> but you realize how much Americans do not travel. Yeah, right. I mean, they right. they will go like vacation in France or off the coast of like I don't know uh, Croatia, and we right. just don't do well, that. Well, because you got to think about Europe. Them traveling in Europe is like us traveling in the United States. Right. And, and, and like in the Eastern part of the United States, not the Western part, right? Because right? Right. they're all right next right. to each other. Right. Like the day trip to go from France to Spain or France to Italy or France mm-hmm. to Germany or France to Amsterdam, yeah. you know, like, or not even a day in some of those aspects. Like, Damn right. Damn right. And how everybody in the world tailors to English. Yeah. Which I was frustrated about when I was in French speaking countries, because I was a French major. That was the whole reason I went over to France in the first place to live as a student. And because because my bohemian blood ran so deep that even as an adult, I've lived all over the world and in lots of states and cities because I just it's really crazy that uh, I keep coming back to Arizona, though. And I came back to the United States after two times of running away because Let's be honest. I mean, it is the greatest country in the world. And I'm sorry to your international listeners, but when you have to deal with the bureaucracy of France or you just realize just how good we have it here. We really do. It's Mm -hmm. really hard to want to live in other countries. I mean, I did it. I lived in London a couple of times. I lived in Paris. I lived in Montpellier, France, on the Mediterranean. These were beautiful, amazing places. But Yo, I fucking love America. It's it's so beautiful. So you know easy. what? That's the reason we called you up because not only are you just a badass person, <laughs> you've been around the world and you still appreciate the good old US of A. Fuck yeah. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but season four is yeah. really we call it the American Badass Tour. Nice. Um but it's really just a tale of resiliency and people overcoming all these obstacles in their lives. So that's what we want to dig in with you today. Oh, I'm so honored. Thank you guys for having oh, me. Oh, we love we had so much fun on your show. It was only the right thing to do because oh ditto. I, I was so stoked when you guys were like, Yeah, come on onto my show, our oh, show. Heck and yeah. I was like, Oh, I love this couple. Uh, we have to go there. a Mor- Morpheus minute before we ever start. Yeah, Morpheus. I'm ready. Minute. I brought, I brought, I brought all the, all the things. You got your because oh, I was super jealous that I mean, you drank with Heath. Dude, I, I was like, I had three podcasts to record that <laughs> no, day, didn't. and you were my first at eleven, and it's eleven now, and I have one later today, but I'll be sober by then. You yeah. know, you know what though, if you were, ish, ish. If you were such yeah. a fucking millennial, maybe she would have drank with you. Oh, oh! <laughs> <laughs> Tell her more about our movie today oh my god Trish. i mean we almost come out of world war three little 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 uh little animosity we're, there huh? we're both a a personalities oh shit both of us <gasps> oh see this is why i want you guys to come back as a couple on my podcast because i <laughs> i gotta unpack that with you guys like how the fuck can you do that yeah i was like babe i don't she goes you're so negative <sighs> <laughs> I can't handle your negativity. That's one thing that's my pet peeve. I said, well, you know what my pet peeve is? 
She goes, what? Well, I'm changing your whole podcast right before a podcast. That's my, <laughs> my, that's my pet oh, it got ugly. <laughs> oh my gosh. But here you are uh, sitting next to each other and join your cocktails. She's always and- right. She's always fucking right. And well, I, I, hey- wish I, I wish I could say it pissed me off, but it doesn't piss me off. Happy wife, happy life, right? Is that is that real? Yeah, but I try to throw in those things like I'm still in charge, even though I'm not. <laughs> Was that well? I mean, I'd love to unpack that, but you'll just have to come on my podcast. There we I'm, go. I'm not in charge. I'll, I'll have all kinds of fun questions about about your relationship. Uh, definitely, I would love to. We would love to come on your shows a couple. That'd be awesome. Did I send you guys an invite to? Not not not, not as a couple yet. Oh, okay. I'll make sure I'll make a note of that to do that after this, because gotta get you guys on together. Cause uh, you guys are my new favorite couple. Like, thank you so fantastic. much. You know what? And we're so opposite. Like I'm not a, yeah. and it's cool how we get along. That's what podcasting, because yeah. I tell you what, the, uh, the whole fucking thing with the news trying to like, keep, right keep us divide cool. and conquer, divide, divide and conquer. conquer. I saw it right through it. I was like, yeah, mm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Then I started the podcast and I really saw it because I liked a lot of people that didn't agree necessarily with necessarily my thoughts, but they were just good right. people. You see, and that's the thing is like when we come together, if we could all just come together, rather, whether, whether or not we agree on things, I mean, we could, we could really revolutionize the world because we all want the same thing. Even the millennials, security, peace, and happiness. Yes. Even Gen Z, even baby boomers. Oh, like, I don't know about Gen Z. <laughs> I mean, really, <laughs> I've had a lot of pretty rad Gen Zers on oh, the podcast. Okay. So, cool. I mean, what's Gen Z? What's Gen Z, Trish? Gen Z is uh, they're about twenty five. Oh, so well, they're they're the they're the ones that have been born after the um, millennial. Um, so about two thousand ish. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I think it's I think it's even ninety five to two thousand five, um, because now we're getting into the alpha generation, which are the kids that are like ten years old right now and younger. Oh, so like Caleb, that's our youngest, is the alpha. Yeah. Generation. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. But it's kind of cool because a lot of Gen Zers are raised by Gen X and older millennials. And yeah. I can really tell the difference between them and the um, and and like the younger millennials. Like I saw a huge shift in my student workers' attitudes and personalities within. I would say within a year, there was this huge shift that I went from a bunch of kind of. And I hate to say this because it sounds like such a dick thing to say, but just snot nosed little brats that are questioning authority all the time, which I, as a former punk rocker anarchist, I definitely respect that, but there's a time and a place. Yes. 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 You know, if you're getting orders from your VP and you're sending them down the line, you know, why are we doing this? Because Dr. Joe said to do it. Yeah, I don't know right. what to tell you. Right. Like, right. And I would never, by the way, ask him why we're doing that. Mm. Like, so, because it's for the mission. <laughs> I don't know. The mission, right. And I'm all about that. I want to hear more about um, what what really was, because, okay, first of all, the setup looks amazing. Yeah. So you guys found some kind of common ground. No, but I just do what she what tells was, me to do. What was the initial, was it just that she wanted to do this right <clears throat> before this episode? Well, we used to use a webcam. Right, like uh-huh. a normal webcam, a wide-angle webcam, and uh-huh. then we have this camera, like no shit camera. 
a hook, uh, a digital camera that we hooked up to the computer that we bought. Like we got it, like right when we started this podcast last January and we never used it. We might've used it once. So we want to incorporate that. You know, you spend the money on it. You should use it. Right. Right. And then, but you had, and a, we wanted to be closer. And we want to um, be closer because we do these shows and it looks like we're a freaking mile away sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, like, not so much for your show because we're one on one and we're right there, but for right. when we do a show together. And uh, so I saw all some that, of your live streams or, or some stuff on Instagram where it was like, yeah, y'all were super far away from each other. And I was right. like, and they, they hate each other. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> only well, during, now you know the behind the scenes. I only hated her like during we were moving stuff around. Right. Right. I don't mean, So I'm so sorry it. that it is so unprofessional to start 22 minutes late, but I had to get a third cocktail just to, uh, Hey, we're pals here. It's all yeah, good. That's right. All right. So y'all ready to get started? I'm ready. You Let's ready? Do it. I'm ready. <laughs> Here we go. Three, two, one. How long have you been in the Navy? Oh, me blow me life. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And together we are E14. We have 40 years of naval service. And each week we discuss a potpourri of topics, which we like to call smoke pit topics. These are real world topics that concern us, our marriage, and our Navy with a sailor twist. So join us each week as we dive into the deep end. Booyah! Hey everyone, welcome to E14 Podcast. I'm Jamie Britt. And I'm Heath Britt. And let's go ahead and put our disclaimer out. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of our own and not the United States Navy or our respective commands. No. Or my respective. Yeah, I don't have a command no more. (laughs) So don't be a little bitch. Just take it or leave it. And do you want to introduce? I would love to introduce our guest. Our guest guest today is Trish the Dish. She is the host of the Gen X Voice podcast business from arizona right trish hell yeah motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> that is the best i love it i love it that's how we do so trish please tell us a little bit about yourself we we know everything about you tell our listeners a little about yourself well heath and jamie i um as you guys have said i host a pod a, a, a podcast uh, called the Gen X Voice podcast. Um, and uh, before that, uh, you know, I just sort of roamed the earth looking for a place to land and uh, spent a lot of time as a as an educator in the K-12 system, a counselor in underprivileged schools, um, and just kind of landed as um, kind of staff in a university Um, where I oversee uh, service hours for completion for a scholarship. Um, So I have like a bunch of student workers and work really closely with uh, different colleges um, on campus. And my job's really fucking boring. So that's why I started a (laughs) podcast. Um, I like the outdoors. I like to backpack and kayak. And I love my dog and my cats. And yeah, I mean that's basically me in a nutshell. Well, Trish, I tell you what, super basic. A, <laughs> no, no, I tell you, you're a cool. Hey, I wish I had teachers like you that like to party too. I know you like to drink that vodka. Is that what you're drinking right now? 
Hell yeah. I'm drinking my Tito's vodka. That's vegan friendly. Cause I'm one of those people that I like to be but vegan. Shout out to Texas, Austin. Tito's vodka is made. Oh in yes. Austin, made Texas. in Austin, Texas. Well, and also that's proceeds smooth. go to saving, saving dogs and, and stuff like oh, that. So I, I think it's pretty, I didn't, I didn't know pretty that. badass. Yeah. I love them. And a handle is a, is a good way to go. Although mm-hmm. I've got my little um, travel uh, Smirnoff plastic bottle that I usually take backpacking with me. Um, but that's <laughs> So you get drunk while you're backpacking. That's awesome. Well, fuck yeah, dude. You can <laughs> do 11 miles with 32 pounds on your back and then just like go sit in the wilderness going, okay, you got to smoke some weed and drink some alcohol or whatever. There's no way. There is no way that I could make a, a hike or a backpacking <laughs> with vodka in my brain. I could. I mean, I'd say it's afterwards. It's afterwards. You know, you you, you, you do the 11 miles and then you set up camp and and you make a fire and you just kick back in your chairs and watch the stars and get bombed. You know, I've had I've had friends passing out on rocks, you know, on huge boulders and, uh, you know, and and the best part is when you wake up in the morning and realize you got to hike 11 miles back to civilization with a hangover. That's what I was about to say. That's why you bring the water or the vodka again. The hair of the dog. It's cool. Yeah. hundred percent. hundred percent. So Trish, like we were talking backstage, you know, season four is all about resiliency and coming back. We, we call it our American badass tour because it's just a bunch of fine Americans that have gone through this shit and like returned from it. You know, uh, you know what I like that song. If you're going through hell. Yes. It's a country song. Rodney Atkins. Yeah. Yeah. But it's like, never heard of it. If you're going through hell, keep on going is his like whole underlying message. And I feel like that is what we're trying to convey through this season. I love it. I love it. Well, first of all, I'm, I'm honored to be a guest on your podcast. I'm a huge fan, even though I'm not in the military. Um, But I was raised um, for part of my life by my grandfather, who was in the Korean war in the Navy. Um, and when I was living with him in Joshua tree, California, spent a lot of time at the 29 Palms Marine base, dated a lot of Marines and Damn uh, Marines. did you help? did you serve them crayons to eat or <laughs> listen, they were the only people that had money and cars and I wasn't in school with them since sixth grade. Um, they came from all over the country. They, a lot of them were gentlemen, Um, and so I just really, um, I do have a soft spot for the military and I, and I have a lot of passion for when the soldiers come home, because I feel like a lot of people are like pro war and pro military, but like, uh, I don't really care about, you know, injured soldiers and don't really care about PTSD. I mean, I just, there's not enough conversation about that. So what y'all do is so beautiful because you shine a light in those dark crevices and, uh, yeah. So thanks again. I just, I just think you guys are the best. And then just a disclaimer to our listeners. Yes, Marines are pretty in their uniform. However, (laughs) when you open up a conversation with them, there's so, not a whole lot of givens. There know. was a couple that were like this one guy named Chip. <laughs> I think that's all I gotta say. <laughs> His name was so, Chip. <laughs> so I Bless asked his heart. I remember when I got to my first ship, Abraham Lincoln, I'd have ever watched it. And I was a brand new seaman, freaking nothing, right? Nothing. And I asked him a question. He just looked at me and went, huh? Oh boy. <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. 
All right, I'll ask somebody else. Thanks, bro. Appreciate but damn, it. those dress blues, good on oh, you, dude. I tell yeah. you, they're the best uniform in the military. Best uniform. But you know no, what? I had oh. such a like. Oh my gosh, the the flittery butterflies for um those camos, man. You like, like the camis, woo! really? Especially like this one guy I dated. Uh, when he wore them, his eyes turned super green. And, um, and it just like, they were just so clean cut too. And like, Trish, you, you want to hear a secret about that? Yeah. What they do is they like roll their sleeves so tight that it sucks all of the, uh, blood out of their head and it puts it into their biceps. And that's why his eyes were so green because his, <laughs> his sleeves were so Dude was suffering from lack of oxygen. Tight. Oh man. <laughs> you know, what's funny though, is there is, um, there's, there's a lot of crossover with Marines and Navy, right? Like, oh yes. like, yeah, yeah, we, we, they work, one. Well, they work for us. A, that's why we pick right. on them so much. We sign their right. fucking paychecks. <laughs> right. Well, like, like this, the green eyed guy, he, um, he did some, um, teaching at Camp Pendleton. Um, oh, wow. and it was, yeah, it was, you know, cause you know, I tried to go for the smarter ones after I met people like Chip. Right. <laughs> like, played strip poker in the barracks and won. Chip's heart. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I tell you, but you know what? They do look good in their uniform and mm. not much to talk. Not, hey, not much for a conversation. But, right. you know, with the lack but of sometimes oxygen. sometimes you don't need a conversation. As a I say, mean, you know, I was, I'm I'm I was 17. I wasn't trying to talk. You know what I'm saying? I'm just like, just saying. you were single, ready to mingle, right? Hell yeah, motherfuckers. <laughs> so we said what Trish is drinking. Should we say what we're Yeah, drinking? go ahead, baby. Go for it. Tell it. Hey, brag about what I bought you for Christmas because okay. I want to, everybody know how bad yes. I am. This is what, uh, so it's a Keurig. I bought it for Christmas. Just say Makes saying. cocktails. <gasps> and you put the a little. A Keurig cocktail maker? You put the pot. Yeah. It's called Drinkworks. You put the pot in the machine and you push the button and it tastes like a bartender blended it for you. What? I didn't even know that such a magical machine existed. But here's the catch. Good job, Keith. Oh, here's the catch. There's a catch. Go ahead, tell them. All right, I'll tell (laughs) y'all. They've stopped making it. Oh, come on. Are you kidding? I I mean, he he got his full refund because he bought it for Christmas and just like a month later or a few weeks later. No, a few days later, right? Because they stopped making it. They stopped found it, they stopped making it. I, know. I had it wrapped underneath the tree. Such an ingenious idea. I'm super sad, but we're we're buying up all the pods now that we can and all of the accessories because it has CO2 cartridges that you put in there. I mean, it literally is the best cocktail maker I've ever had. And the thing about it, I mean, the pods are, I mean, it'd be like four bucks a pod because it's like you would go to a bar and a right. bartender would drink it. But $4 a pod is cheaper than a lot of bars would charge you for a Oh, cocktail. fuck yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I had, um, I went down to Oceanside for uh, New Year's to hang out with some friends I hadn't seen in a while. And we went to this like pretty nice cocktail bar and we each had two, no, three beverages each. And it was you know, way over 150 bucks. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. What are you you drinking right now? So um, I started with a lemonade, a vodka lemonade. Now I have moved on to a lemon splash, splash, splash. Mm. This is my third one, guys. She's ready, guys. She's ready. 
but yeah, it's a lemon splash. So I'm assuming it has vodka and it tastes like lemonade. It's so delicious. Nice. So delicious. I'm keeping it traditional. I'm just drinking straight whiskey. Knob Creek, 120 yes. proof. 120 proof. So, so yeah, it's going to fuck me up. I guarantee you. But oh, I right, can't though. wait. I can't wait to have fun with y'all today. Like uh, <laughs> I, came, I came to throw down with y'all for sure. Nice. Good. Yeah. Nice. Cheer- cheers. 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 My- cheers. Oh, cheers. I found out ethically, you know, Etic purposes. Ethically, oh, it's already going well. <laughs> so ethically, it's rude. It's not you don't actually slap glasses because no no loud noises. Etic. So oh, anyway, you raise it up. And oh, you just you're not it. supposed to tap. Yeah, apparently. I didn't know that. I mean, where well, I'm from, I, I heard I heard somewhere that uh, there in some country it's considered disrespectful to tap. So yeah, I've heard that. Um, just so, like lighten, you can't light more than two cigarettes. That's a military thing where you can't light more than two cigarettes because the enemy will see y'all sitting there it's true. smoking cigarettes together. So that's true. When I was in Nam, I quit smoking so they would see the cherry in my cigarette. Or at least light it under <laughs> your shirt and then yeah. fuck everyone else. You don't have a lighter, who gives a fuck? Just hide <laughs> it with your hand. Yeah. Right. No, right. But uh, you know. Funny story from Germany. You're supposed to look the person you're cheersing in the eye, or it's bad luck. Like you have to like bug eye it and look them in the eye, like yeah, like that. Yeah, like yeah. seriously, look them in the eye so they know you're cheersing to them. Otherwise, it's bad luck. Did you know that? I did not. I've never heard of that. I mean, ser- like open your eyes wide. But I only flew into Germany. I never actually spent time mm-hmm. there. Same, same. I've been through Frankfurt uh, airport and that's about it. But well, now y'all know. Thank you for that information. I had a friend actually in college, actually, she's still a good friend of mine who um, said that when you light someone's cigarette, obviously I'm a smoker. (laughs) Uh, You, uh, you look them in the eye to save them, save uh, 80% of their sex appeal. (laughs) Really? (laughs) That's cool. That's why I look so good, y'all. Well, in Russia, you can't sit on the, on the ground because that'll keep you from being fertile, you know? So you got to like squat. Well, I don't know anywhere in Russia I'd want to sit down. I mean, that's a cold, <laughs> cold place to be. Uh, yeah. No. Yeah. They got, they got good everywhere? vodka. I got yelled at by some babushkas because I was sitting on the stone. See, oh, Jamie, wow. Jamie went there mm-hmm. as a kid for like a like a church thing, right? Yeah, I went on a mission trip for two months to Russia. Wow. To uh, St. Petersburg. How old were you? I was 17. 17. St. Wow. Petersburg. I went June and July. And we, we were in St. Petersburg and all those surrounding areas. And we went to the Baltic sea. That's the beach quote unquote. That's the beach. It's right? so cold. Oh, oh my, my gosh. In yeah. June and July. It's so cold. And I'm, I'm going to get a little soft real quick. So when Jamie was deployed to Djibouti right after we got married, I was trying to like get our pictures together. Cause her stuff was just in boxes up in like above the garage. So I was taking everything out and kind of put it in uh, like Rubbermaid. So it stays better. Nice. And I was looking at all the pictures and all, all those are Russian. I was just like, remember that? Oh, who's Jamie was here. I was all freaking getting misty. Look at, look at all her pictures. You know, when she was in Russia, she's doing their dances with them. And yeah, and she's like doing to get involved with the culture. And I was like, oh, and just Russia. seeing the joy on her face. Yeah, that it just, just makes her more beautiful. Exactly. She's a beautiful woman. Oh, you are I'm, a lucky man. But he's no, he, he's no troll either. He is a gorgeous yeah. man too. I, y'all, even, y'all look I good even, together. I trim my, my beard today. Yeah, he I did was looking that like for you, I was looking homeless. Just for you. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Well, you're like talking Wolverine. to someone who, who loves beards. So I, I definitely, uh, you know, I don't know, but there is, there is a, you know, sort of duck dynasty level that you, you kind of, <laughs> yeah. that's I can't not, do it. I can't do it. Cause you know, cool. you ever get a hair in, hair in your mouth? Like, Oh, I'll get this hair. You know, yeah. you know, yeah. what? My shit was so long. I thought I had, had hairs in my mouth. Like, I'm trying to pull this out, but it's not. It's my beard and my mustache. <laughs> so I had to freaking trim a little bit. I hate that feeling. Okay, oh. that's but no taking that's it no off good. of Heath's big head, Trish, let's talk about you because yes. you are so beautiful and you are you such are. a beautiful soul. And we love your podcast so much Aww. because yes. because you are um, so open-minded and you allow people to express who they are and you accept them for who they are. Yes. And that's what I loved about nice. your show when I first listened to it. And it was before you reached out to me that time. I listened to it before because Gen X, I'm a Gen X. Mm-hmm. Jamie, Jamie's not, but I'm a Gen I, I X. Am. Well, she's a Zennial. Zennial. We've established this. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I just loved how you were so open to people. Thank and, you. And like you never, what do you call it? Judge. Mm-hmm. You know, because, you know, like sometimes you get somebody on there and they don't agree with you. You're like, well, what about this? You heard those where, well, what about this? Well, you're jacked up because of this. Or you're screwed up because of this. Because we you ever right. think about this. You didn't do that. You just accepted it. Right. And you had a conversation about it. And I think that's how the world would be 100% better today. Right. If we, if we just that. listen to each other and, you know, I, I'm really honored that you guys see that because that is a, a big mission of mine, not only to, to destroy ageism, but just sort of to, you know, just bridge different thoughts together because, you know, when I was sitting around in 2020 in, in quarantine, living alone, yeah. um, just doing my thing with my little bubble couple, um, <laughs> working from home, not, not on campus, a whole bunch, um, you know, I watched a lot of news just like everyone else. And I'm, I, I was watching some liberal shit, of course, because, mm-hmm. um, you know, I do, I do sort of lean that way, but I started getting really upset about some of the liberal stuff I was seeing on Facebook. And, um, you know, my family is super Christian, super Republican, very proud Trump supporters. Um, and, um, that's interesting. You're completely yeah, opposite, huh? A hundred percent. But you're not and, completely, no, but you're but not I love completely them. opposite. But see, here's yeah. the thing is that I love them and I was starting to see things like, you know, if people, if people in your family, um, you know, don't understand the black lives movement or support Trump, then you need to cut them out of your lives. And I was like, I can't subscribe to that mentality because, right. um, I don't, I don't really have a mother and a father and my aunt and uncle have sort of like taken that role on cause they didn't have kids and, yeah. um, they were, they supported me when no one else did. And, right. and I'll be fucking goddamned if I cut them out of my life because of right. their political or spiritual views. <clears throat> but truthfully, who cares what they believe? And, and that is who you love. That is who, who opened their hearts to you and took care of you. And, and right. Trish, until two, 2016 2018 nobody gave a shit who voted for who right interesting well maybe a little bit but i know during my family administrative uh oh yeah that 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 was a point of contention for a lot of us that were war but that was the war right right wasn't it was just yeah it wasn't that but but so so we'll get a little political and i don't want to go too deep into this but you know, a lot of people are anti-war and I understand that, but do you just sit there and let another country slap you in the face on your soil and not do anything for it and not let them know, Hey, 
you're not going to pick on us. You know, it's funny because when 9-11 happened, I was living in New York City at the time, and it mm. was a huge traumatic situation for yeah. me because I was homeless because I I lived uh, on the same um, subway that went to Wall Street. I saw the Twin Towers out my bedroom window. You know, wow. I was super close. So you lived on a space. subway? No, I, I, mean, oh. I lived on a subway line that was, thank you for okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, wow, she was, I'm already on my second cocktail too, y'all. So I'm hitting it hard. Love it. I love it. But, um, you know, my, my instinct when it happened, um, was why, why can't we, why can't we do a little bit more research and figure out what really happened? Why do, why do we instinctually just go into war? Um, because I see what you're saying. And Jamie, for the record, um, you know, I have 21 years experience on this planet from that moment. So mm. I understand a lot of things. I know what's going on in the Ukraine right now. A lot of fucked up shit. It's kind of scary and worrisome. Um, I've got a good friend that lives in America, in America since she was 12. She's in her, she's about 40 now um, because of what happened in the Ukraine way back in the nineties. Um, yeah. I get that. Like, Sometimes shit needs to be regulated. I'm no longer an anarchist. I do believe in some sort of government and policing. Um, but I also feel like we don't spend enough time um, researching. And, you know, a, a big thing that I had thought about back then was, you know, when someone's guilty of a crime, we we go through the legal system. Try, a trial. Or we try yeah. to. We right, try right, to. Right. Right. And we deliver the facts and then we have, but we don't do that in terms of war. It doesn't seem like they're, I mean, I don't really know that much about NATO. I don't think it does what I feel like a lot of people think it does. Mm -hmm. It really isn't a jury of the people to sort of navigate other countries' behaviors which I feel like is a miss is sort of a missing thing in that. Like they just sit around and talk about shit instead of like, <laughs> yeah. let's put a country on trial. Let's fucking put Russia on trial. This is some probably dangerous territory I'm stepping into, but that's, <laughs> that's why I'm here. Warning, um, warning, warning. But I, I just, I don't, I feel like we, in the last, I want to say, 10 years or so, I feel like we've really kind of gone backwards in terms mm. of psychological evolution in that I feel like for a long time, you know, we didn't have war when we were growing up. We were a generation of folks who, um, you know, Vietnam was so far away from us. Yes, and, it was. Um, well, we Desert had Desert Storm. Storm. Happened, yeah. Well, when Desert Storm happened in 88, I remember crying. Um, because I was so overwhelmed with this idea. I was like 13 or something that like, how are, how the fuck are we in war? Like, have we not progressed to a point where we can sit down and talk? I, I don't know. This is again, you know, just sort of a lot of thoughts that I kind of was unpacking during nine 11. And I didn't like the whole, um, Osama bin boogie man. Like I felt like we, yeah. we picked we picked this character that we were gonna kind of uh, go after, and, and Saddam Hussein, like we um, we actually gave him all of the weapons, and then decided to take him out. So you know, unpacking yeah. the sort of political journey of what really is going on with shit. I I, I don't want to say I have sympathy for any sort of terrorist attack. But goddamn, can we take some ownership on some of the weird, fucked up shit right. we've done? 
No, we helped uh, Osama bin Laden too back when he fought Russia back in the eighties or late seventies, early eighties. There you go. We, we, you know, we did, but at the same time, I feel you got a child, you raise him up the best you can. And then he becomes a murderer, right? I said, for argument's sake, do you let him continue murdering people or do you turn him into the cops? You know, you know, that's a really good question. And that's hard. But when you turn him over to the cops, do they just immediately kill him? No, or no, that's put different. Put him on trial. Do you know what I mean? That's so we're back into that. We're back but into that. Like, you, let's but unpack as a, this. As a parent, though, with that child, you have to own a little bit of that shit. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Right? Like, See, maybe I should have done this. This is the beauty of talking to people like y'all, because if 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 the three of us were to see each other on Facebook or you know hear some of these things without having a conversation, we might just disregard one another is like oh you're on that side or whatever and that's but, so you know, dangerous we, because we're not on the other side we're we split things in two sides and and that to me is so disruptive we've split our country in two sides but let's say you're they, you're they have <laughs> well you're a liberal um but you can see our side of things and I, we are rep- uh, what conservative. are we conservative, but you can see our side. And I definitely see your side and amen to that. Yeah. And honestly, Trish, that's the reason that I started, uh, that we started this podcast. One of the reasons is, is that we were locked down. We had nothing else better to do. Mm-hmm. Second reason I would get so pissed off at about uh, half the population of this country. Every time I turned on the TV and, and what news, they wanted us to, and think. what they want us to think. So I'm like, how about I say, Same. fuck, the, fuck the news. Right. Let's just talk to some great Americans and, and have a show and maybe we'll get. And not have we'll, an agenda. Like I'm not, yeah. gonna, I'm not here to sell you a yeah. liberal agenda. And to be quite honest, I'm a lot more center than left because, you know, if, if, you know, as an educator, and I've tried to talk about this with my family, um, the fact that I could not continue teaching after 10 years and a master's degree, um, because I couldn't make more than 34,000 a year. Um, if it makes me a liberal, because I believe that we need to pay our teachers better and we need to invest more in education, then fucking so be it. But at the same time, like, um, you know, it's not even I, a liberal view. I am the right. daughter of two educators. I grew up in, uh, I would say, lower middle class because my mother was a teacher. My dad, he worked his way up, got his master's, and he was a principal. But still, we were lower middle class. We didn't have tons of money. And, yeah. And definitely. they worked like dogs. I mean... But but have you noticed though that a lot of um, a lot of Democrats will run on this education platform? Like I voted for Obama because he had me crying when I saw him um, give his inaugural um, his uh, I'm running for president speech in Springfield, Illinois, in the dead of winter, um, and beca- because he his one of his platforms was education, and then you find on the Republican side um, that they're a lot less likely to want to invest in um, the the social constructs of our, Mm -hmm. um, uh, of our nation and, and education is one of them. Um, And so when you vote in those folks, we don't, we don't see the support into those kind of things that we need. Like even my dad, who I, I can 
always remember being Republican when Obama's first President Obama's first term came. He said, man, I like this guy. He right. seems like a guy you can did. sit down and have a beer with and he will listen. Mm-hmm. That was what we liked about him. Then the drone strikes happened. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't vote for him a second time. I didn't. I I, I didn't. He didn't do anything about education. Of course, yep. he was focused on health care. And I respect that because that's also something we shouldn't be fucking um you know, bankrupt because I have, we have a broken arm and we yeah. get a fucking service job. So we don't have insurance. I, I lived 11 years of that life, knowing yeah. that story, a lot of my friends. Um, but at the same time, it just seemed like, uh, so what's really the difference here? Like your drone you know, strikes and killing civilians, right? Uh, right. it's two cheeks of the same, butt. yeah, here's my take on educators. Here's the deal. You got a doctor making, say he's making 600,000 a year, but there's an eighth grade, a 10th grade, a seventh grade, an 11th grade teacher that inspired that doctor to do what he does. Mm. That's getting paid $30,000 a year. Right. Right. And here's the deal on the free healthcare. Here's what I've seen in my travels. Not saying I'm right, because this is what I observed. Italy, socialist healthcare, right? Free healthcare. You had to bring your own fucking toilet paper. Oh, there's, no kidding. There's this guy that got oh, a, a wreck, damn. a service member, right? A service member who had insurance, had to go to the Italian ER, Italian hospital. I walked in there to go see him. Man, it stunk. It was it was probably 90 degrees in that hospital. Wow. It was the worst experience. And I wasn't even the one in the, in the hospital. I was the guy visiting, and it was the worst experience of my freaking life. Mm. And... And I, I think there, yeah, there's got to be, there's got to be some middle ground though. Got to so be a like, medium, right? Happy when medium. I was in France, I um, who has free health and free education, higher ed, um, our university was ghetto as fuck. Um, there were no whiteboards. There were there were no project. Well, I guess there were some classes that had projectors, but um, it, it was not NAU in Flagstaff, Arizona. It was not a beautiful, you know, university. It was really old and musty and kind right. of ghetto. And then um, I, my experience in the hospital was my friend and I. We were out clubbing. He dislocated his shoulder. We went to the sort of uh, French ER. That was a hell of a mosh pit. <laughs> well, actually, we were we we were dancing to EDM, so it was okay. a little bit, a little bit, yeah, I mean, a little bit more self inflicted. Things happen, yeah, <laughs> things exactly. happen, you know. Um, and it was like you know one in the morning or something, but um, the hospital was super ghetto as well. Like it didn't look like it had any updates since 1960, just like my university. Right. And it's just like okay, but if we can if we can figure out where where does where does it really work in terms of, but it's hard. It's, and, and I get that. And that's why I'm much more center because, right. you know, my uncle always asked me like, where's the money going to come from? Right. No, like, does true. it have to come from my pocketbook? And right. that's the, but then that's when you get into the whole 1% conversation. And right. Like, I mean, it's so, why are we, why don't we have more taxes on people who will never spend their money in generations they will yeah. never spend their money. How right. can they not help us with our roads and our fucking health care and our schools? I don't know. I just so, feel a little bit about that, you know. I Here's you. the thing, no, Trish, you. because you kind of, you already alluded to these things and I just want to dive deeper. You've alluded to being homeless. You've alluded yes. to yes. Um, 
being an anarchist. And I want to dive deeper into both of those because that is who you used to be. I mean, we already threw the political bomb on our listeners. They're probably like up in arms at the moment. Nah, we're probably going to get canceled after this. How the fuck would they have that liberal ass bitch on this show? What the hell's going on? <laughs> but I want to hear about where you came from. I want to yeah. hear about what caused you to be homeless. What caused so, you to be this anarchist? Let's talk. Let's, I love that. I love that, Jimmy. Thank you. That's a great segue. So let's talk about. So where did you, when you were little Trish, say you were 10 years old, and you little, Trish. Lost, little Trish. So where were you? Where were, yeah. Where were you at, at 10 years old? What were you doing? Where were you, who so, were you living with? That's a great question. And um, thank you so much for being interested in my story. Um, I'd actually like to go a little farther back than Let's that if it. I can, because yeah. um, the, the, the origin of my story is really interesting in that um, my mother has bipolar disorder, which we didn't know about until she was about 55. Um, She, she got pregnant with me when she was 16, had me at 17 and um, has since proclaimed that um, or years ago proclaimed that um, my real father raped her on a camping trip in the mountains above Albuquerque. Um, And it's pretty crazy that uh, some of my earliest memories of him are just really terrible abuse on my mom. And, um, and she was super abusive to me too. Um, we were, uh, we, we were homeless a lot when I was a kid. Um, so definitely I, in poverty. I was going to ask you, what is, what is it like growing up with a bipolar mother? So those that don't know what bipolar brings to the table, what is it? What is it like? Man, it's some really crazy highs and some very dangerous lows. Um, you know, my mom was a huge pot smoker, so to this day, I'm not a big one. I think it should be legalized, and I've I do too. I do too. Here and there, I do too. I do too. Okay, right, right. Calm down. <laughs> He's like, retired. Yes, retired. He's calm down. <laughs> hey, 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 the new study shows that it ends COVID, so everyone should get high. Um, I think so. Uh, but, um, but it was um, there was a lot of anxiety because I didn't know who was coming home. Yeah, um, right. And so when when I'd hear her car pull up. Um, when she did have a car, um, I would immediately go into a fight or flight response as a child. And so when you asked me about 10 years old, um, we that was the year that we lived uh, in a couple different places. Um, we moved from um, a suburb of Texas called Plano to yeah. uh, yes, Bell, very Belleville, familiar. Belleville, Illinois, which is just outside of St. Louis. And at the time, East St. Louis was the murder capital of the world. Oh, geez. Um, so this would have been 1985. And I went to four different elementary schools. Um, two of them were Catholic and um, two of them were public. And I was um, because I was battling so much at home. Um, I was bullied a lot. Um, it, no matter where I went to school, it seemed like the first week everyone liked me. And then suddenly, I don't know if you sort of re- like have this like resonation of like abuse that comes off of you, but I'd come, I'd come to school after being beat for five hours, uh, the night before. And, um, and I, all I could think of was that I wanted to die or wanted to kill my mom or, you know, just super dark thoughts that you don't think 10 year olds really have. And, um, and, and so it was, it was really, really hard to navigate and it was, and it's taken me 
many decades to unpack that with therapy and spiritual practice. Like I've been doing. Do you remember like an instance where that flip happened that everybody liked you and they didn't like, what, what did you do? What did they do? What, what happened? I I don't, I can't because, you know, Jamie, I went to so many different schools and I, and there's so many different, um, sort of, of, um, humans that I would meet in these sort of changes that, cause my yeah. mom was always trying to, you know, find welfare or the next best drug deal or whatever. And, you know, um, it, when you're, when you're a child of abuse too, um, I don't know if you guys have ever heard this theory, but, um, you are very self-centered because you're constantly mm. being told it's your fault that we're in this situation. It's your fault that yeah. I'm this You're. it's your fault, this. So the world is egocentric happening at you all the time. You you are the center. You are the center of everything that goes on. You're egocentric. Yeah. 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 And, and, and so I think, you know, just to kind of curve tail this back to, um, you know, how did I um, as an adult become homeless or anarchist? I think that my desire to help others in my sort of past um, really was a driver to who I became as a human. Um, I felt bad for um, indigenous folks and people of color um, right. from a very, very young age. Like we're talking, you know, 11 years old. I, I heard the first real story of the tale, uh, t- Trail of Tears and, yeah. you know, really had this like, you know, watching Roots as a kid and just bawling because yeah. of just this intense feeling of, um, empathy toward victims. And that's why I went into education and that's why I only ever taught at at risk schools and later became a counselor and, um, and, and an anarchist is because I really felt like the system was created in a way that, um, did not help, you know, CPS was called on my mom when I came to school with a black guy in sixth grade and God bless Mrs. Wojcik, in um, Belleville, Illinois at Jefferson Elementary School. I can remember this all these years later because she was the first human to actually try to protect me. And I got such a beating after CPS came to the house and was threatened so hard that I better be on my best behavior and all this stuff that like they never did anything. And you hear stories about that all the time, that our social workers are also just completely overwhelmed and we can't really help the kids and uh, it's lots. So I think My that all, God, all Trish, drives for, who I am. For all intents and purposes, you should have become a serial killer, not an educator. Or, or, or at least homeless. pregnant at 16, just like my mom. Yeah. I mean, really, you're true. It's true. So I want to talk about, you, you talked about a little bit of spending time with your your grandpa, Navy vet, and uh, near 20, 29 Palms, California. So yeah. did that help. Let's talk about that. Did that help relieve some of the shit you were going through in your in your normal home life? Oh, Heath, you would think so. Yeah. But when you mm-hmm. realize just how deep the abuse goes in a family line, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. And oh he gosh. was a narcissist and um, would say things like, you're nothing in my eyes if you don't get straight A's, even though I was California state finals in track and tennis and, um, you know, varsity and freshman year for, um, you know, cross country and, 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 and um, the, what do you call the head person in cross country? It was like that 
leader of, I don't remember what they call captain? it. Captain. Yeah. Okay. The captain of that. Um, I did tall flags. Um, I did debate club. Like I just wasn't really into the book stuff, you know, like I have ADHD. Sometimes it's interesting and sometimes it's not, you know, and, and telling me that, right. you know, I was just like my mother, I would, I would, you know, I wouldn't turn out to be anything. And, you know, um, even as an adult, like tell so your me, grandpa you know, would t- so your grandpa would tell you, you're just like your mother. You will never be shit. Mm, yep. And that's, is that your mother's dad? Yeah. Oh shit. Go ahead. I'm so I'm, I'm just wondering yeah, no, that's his, fine. in his eyes, if he saw grades as a term of success and your mother didn't make the grade. So right. therefore by you not making the grade that you might not have been as successful. Yeah. And there's a lot of um, empathy I have toward his mentality because I've had to work on a lot of this stuff for my whole oh, life. Absolutely. And so I get that. And, you know, at the time he was the, mm. he was the only person that ever went to college in our family line. And, and I'm always talking about my mother's side because my dad, my real dad left. Uh, we left him when I was like three years old because yeah. he tried to kill my mom. And oh, wow. like I said, one of my earliest memories is a really violent thing with him that I don't need to go into, but, yeah, yeah. um, but you Can know, you imagine your mom having a young baby. Yeah. And, and being forced and- to marry him, by the way, that's my grandfather. My grandfather said, you're pregnant. You're going to marry him. And it's, it's debatable whether or not he really raped her. I mean, this is coming from a bipolar woman, but you know, you absolutely. Don't know. But can know. you imagine a young mother no. with a baby whose husband tried to kill her? Yeah, I mean, and that baby. was that and was so. You should yeah. just stay with yeah. him, yeah. Mm-hmm. but that's old school thinking, which is uh, fucked up. Right. Well, right. yeah. I mean, I'm just playing devil's advocate from all these all these perspectives because I believe it, it is all in one, all in one. You know, yeah. Why humanity. People, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Wow. And and you know what's funny is that like as I kind of grow, grew older. So I was with my grandfather from about 13 to, to 18, you know, we would have very long, cause he was my best friend when I was a little girl. Like I loved my grandfather, you know, we'd do bike rides together and I, you know, he made me my first Shirley temple and, you know, cause he was oh. a big, big chin and tonic drinker, yeah, and, yeah. um, bee feeders on the rocks kind of guy. And, yeah. um, you know, and so he was my hero because he was the only sort of male figure in my life for a long time till my uncle sort of filled that void. Um, but, you know, I learned that that he was super abused by his mother. And, you know, just that 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 empathy that I had for him or that I have, even though he's passed, like, um, you know, I cried really hard when he died a few years ago because he never got therapy. He never. Yeah. Um, he was never able to come to terms with his own abuse and, and, and died an asshole. And, and, and that made me weep harder than the loss of him. It was just like, I don't want to die an asshole. I don't want to die with all of these fucking issues and failed relationships that I've had all these years. And so around 42, you know, like I really focused on escaping that victim mentality Mm -hmm. because, I didn't want to die being a victim and an asshole. Yeah. So when did you, when did you start your podcast? How old were you? So I started that when I was about, was I uh, 44? So, so. Did, did, did it have something to do with you starting your, your show? 
Not exactly. I mean, to be really honest, I started it because um, actually I had started a YouTube channel before that because um, I was really fed up with hearing um, conversations about how fucked the millennials were in terms (laughs) of student loan debt. And here I am no parents go into college um, and, you know, having such an overwhelming debt, um, never being able to see ever being able to buy a house or pay that student loan debt off and, and just other conversations that like people seem to only think we're hitting millennials, but there's this little tiny generation in between. And, um, you know, I didn't feel yeah. like first, first of all, we're a pretty quiet generation Gen X very uh, until hard. recently, very quiet. Very quiet. Um, because yeah. we were the generation that was told that children should be seen and not heard. Yep. And, Damn right. um, right. And, and, you know, latchkey kids. So no one was really around. No one, you know, didn't really take but you had to do the right thing places. when nobody right. was there. We had integrity, which yeah. I'm not sure is passed down through generations. Well, there's no opportunity for kids today to show integrity or to make decisions by themselves because they're not left alone. You right. hear stories of kids being, uh, you know, the parents having the cops called on them because they're at the park by themselves. I don't know about you guys, but I remember a single fucking parent at the park when I was a kid. <laughs> like, oh, no. I, like, exactly. It was a fucking oh, no. free for all. Like, yes. Kids were fucking throwing down at the park. Yes. Or doing whatever. I tell you, I would get in a fight every day walking home from school. Mm-hmm. Walking home from I was, school. I, I, live, I, live, I live two blocks from the fucking school. Yeah. yeah I was and, chased yeah. home by, like I said, I was bullied everywhere yeah. I went. Yeah. And, and there was no anti-bully campaign. There was no sort of like when I was a counselor, I did this whole positive behavior intervention system and where we all sat around and talked about our feelings about things. And nobody gave a fuck about our feelings. It was, nope. you know what, you got to fucking figure it out. And by the way, you need to make good grades too, because you're going yeah. to college. Yes. <laughs> There's no other, yes. no other way. There's no other hey, way. I remember my dad said, "Yeah, you're going to college." You know, I ended up paying for the college I went to, but my right. dad's like, "You're going, to, you're going there." Same. Which I'm glad. I'm glad that we. I'm glad that I paid for it. I'm glad that Jamie paid for it, even though we're still paying that back. Yeah. Right. But you're, but since 2004, <laughs> I earn. You earn a little bit of street cred when you when you did it yourself. I, I don't know. Like you can. That's say, one of the hardest things being a parent today in today's generation is to allow your your kids to figure it out for themselves. Right. I to be independent. Like. Yeah. Yes. Oh my and gosh. I see it with all. So even though I don't have kids, all my friends have had kids for the last 20 some odd years. Yeah. And so I've been watching them navigate that. And some of them have 20 year olds and older um, and younger. And, you know, I, I don't, I can't imagine. It's you an know, overwhelming be- feeling of, I don't want you to go through what I had to go yeah. through, but why right. I'm a great person. So why would I, I want that child to go through that? But now our kids are spoiled and, and he tells me all the time, he's like, you need to be harder. Cause we have a 17 year old about to be 18 year old. And he quite frankly is not ready to be a man and he should be. And this is not crazy because I don't know about you guys, but when I was 18, I moved out of my grandpa's home, got a job, a full-time job. Cause I was 18. So I could work 40 hours a week. Um, you know, applied to school, applied for my FAFSA, moved to right. Flagstaff, 
Um, and then I had an apartment with some friends, you know, like yeah. then I moved to fucking France. Like I navigated all that shit by myself with you a did. few adults that helped a little bit, but most, but, of them it, was, didn't know but it was your was drive, but right. it was your drive right? that, that you reached out for the help. And that's okay. Right. Because even at 45 years old, I'll still, Hey, look, can you help me out with this? Or what, what advice do you have for this? That's okay. But you understand that you need help. Yeah. Yeah. That's different. It's, it is. I have this just overwhelming desire that I don't want anyone to go through what I had to go through. So like Heath, for example, he tried this insurance sales. Um, and yeah, we talked about I'm, a, I'm a Navy yeah. recruiter. I'm used to rejection. I'm used to getting hung up on. I'm used to getting called all sorts of names, but doing to, cold calls. <laughs> yeah. But to yeah. see my husband go through that, I was like, this is the worst in the world because I see what he's going through and how he feels and see him getting hung up on. And I just don't want him to, to do that, even though right. I can take it. So surely you know, he can. And don't yeah. you think though, Jamie, that that is really a testimony to um, the different generations because our baby boomer parents or sort of elders, um, it, I don't, I don't necessarily know that they really thought in terms of, I want you to have a better life than me. I think that they focused a lot on, can we provide material things that are better than what you had? Like, you know, my grandfather helped put the VA hospitals into place in um, a lot of parts of the country. All three wow, of his kids were born in different states. That's yeah, actually pretty, was, that's actually big He was deal. a baller. He was a baller. Yeah, that's he a was big deal. a huge administrator in the VA hospitals. But um, so he was able to give them wealth. He was able to give them, you know, a very solid middle um, income, maybe even upper mm. middle income lifestyle. Um, and Trish, not just, not um, uh, just real quick. Do it. Not, not only did <laughs> not only did he help his family out, he helped people like me out. And mm-hmm. Amen. Years that. later. Oh yeah. You know oh yeah. Because I mean? the VA hospitals weren't really a big thing in, before the sixties, right? Um, and it? so yeah, he he definitely was serving humanity in a way that is so commendable. And again, I have a lot of empathy for both he and my mother, which has helped me in my mental health journey in terms of um, rather than being a victim, switching that dialogue, that internal dialogue to being like, you know, I even told my mom once in my thirties, like given the playbook that you were given and, and, and your sort of mental abilities at 16, 17 years old, I don't know that I would have made better decisions. No, um, not saying that I would have beat my kids, but I'm just saying that, um, she lived in a, in a, a, a turmoil of a household and, you know, with an alcoholic father and yeah. bipolar wasn't even diagnosed until she was in her mid fifties. Yeah. Like, yeah. how could you not have empathy for that? And, and when you're able to do that, you really, man, does that shift everything off of you? And, right. you know, because as a child, it was like, why, why does, why is this happening to me? No one else in my school has to deal with this stuff. Like, you know, I'm, I must be a terrible person. That's why I wanted to die, you know, all the time. And my gosh, you know, but, but when you shift that and you start realizing that um, you aren't the center of the universe and you start realizing that everyone has their own fucking shit and it's lots in an abusive uh, family yeah, line. Yeah. You yeah. start realizing that like, okay, when I start having those thoughts, maybe I don't 
do the like chain reaction where like, well, this happened, this happened, this. So obviously I'm a fucked up human. You start going, wow, there's so many other things happening and the world is so complicated. That's why I don't really like being called a liberal or a Buddhist vegan because pigeonholing humans does not allow for growth and compassion of all the sides, which is why I love my podcast and yours, because when you bring all the other, you start realizing the world's so gray and there's so many other stories happening simultaneously in the world. You know, Trish, what I would love for you to do as we get ready to close out is I would love for you to just kind of expand on that shift when you had it and, and let our listeners know how they can shift from that egocentric to that understanding of everyone else. Well, thanks for giving me an opportunity to uh, to talk a little bit about my spiritual journey, Jamie. Um, I love it. I, um, you know, you get to a certain point in your life where you realize that shit's just not working. Mm-hmm. And I really actively sought out um, spiritual, spiritual growth and therapy pretty much my whole life. So I've been studying Buddhism since I was 18, um, doing yoga since I was 20, 22. Um, And really starting to realize that like, oh yeah, these sort of thought patterns can be controlled. And um, I did this online um, spiritual conference that was free um, uh, during the pandemic. And, you know, there was a lot of journaling, there was a lot of meditating, there was some Wim Hof cold shower breathing and um, just realizing the power of my brain. And these are things that I'd always heard about because Buddhism is a lot about training your brain, that, that monkey brain that chatters like, oh, you're, you're not good enough. You're, you know, you're fake. You're All this, right. you're da la 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 yes. um, and, and recognizing it. And then you can hook onto it and go, okay, I recognize this pattern. I'm starting to slip down that rabbit hole, but I know how mm-hmm. to not slip down because I know what's down there. I've been down there for 20 some odd years, 40 some odd years. Mm-hmm. Um, And so it's just practice. You just keep practicing, catching those negative thoughts and going, aha, I recognize the pattern. I recognize the pattern. So now, because I'm so sick and tired of living that life of victim victimization, I can, I can go, okay, why am I thinking that right now? What's triggering that? And then unpack that situation. And then you start looking at it much more like sort of bigger instead of me, I'm the, I'm the one it's my ego. You start looking at like, Oh, okay. Maybe I don't, maybe I didn't eat enough good food. Maybe I'm eating too much fast food. Maybe I haven't been exercising. Maybe I haven't been outside enough. Maybe I haven't been serving my community enough. Like I really believe in going outside of yourself to focus. I hate my fucking job, but when I fixate (laughs) on the little aspects of being a good leader to young people and um, making sure that the mission is completed to use sort of a military term um, for the greater good. Um, Slowly you start easing away from that ego. And, um, and that's what I would say to your listeners is just practice recognizing those thought patterns and fucking battle that shit, sit with it, figure out where it's coming from and then just fucking give it up. I love it. I love it. Cause you know, nothing makes me, made me feel better when I was active. Active duty was seeing that young guy who came from nothing. Now he's succeeding or she's yeah. succeeding yeah. in something that's bigger than himself mm-hmm. because there's nothing better 
than watching somebody succeed because you had, even if it's a, a little bit, you had something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the most rewarding thing I've ever felt. And now and, as we transition into leaders, uh, elders, um, yeah. you know, on this planet, that's kind of like what we need to be doing. Cause when I think about like my great, my great grandparents, who I remember well as a young person who is the silent generation, they taught me so much. Even my great grandma who never, who, who she taught Sunday school. I don't know if she ever had a job, but I mean, a, a pain, a, a traditional job. When I say job, a traditional job, she, she kept the house up. My, my great grandpa was a cop, you know, in the parish and she kept the house up and she taught Sunday school. Me and her would be, I mean, I'm country as a turnip green. So me and her would be, <laughs> <laughs> me and her would be snapping peas in her front porch. And she had a beautiful screen in porch, right? Beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then it walked up to her house but it was all screened in. She had a, she had a stove in there. She had everything you could do. She could live in that front fucking porch. Oh, and we'd be so sitting southern. on the front. It is big time, central Louisiana, Southern as you can get. So yeah. we're snapping peas and she's telling me all these stories and I'm learning. I'm soaking it in. Cause I was probably maybe six or seven at the time. I was soaking it all in. Wow. And, and think about that had something to do with my upbringing, something to do with the way I am today. Wow just blows my mind that I could do that for somebody else that's past that torch. And it's beautiful. And, and, and to think that, that there's more out there to give. I mean, you don't have to be an old woman snapping peas. You could do that as a 30, 40 year old to a, to yeah. a person that's 20 year old. Any, and any so, job where you're a boss right, or exactly, a team member exactly. that's been and, around a little bit longer. And for somebody that, 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 that worked for me in the military that said I was the most understanding person they ever met. I was a dick at times, which is okay. You can be a dick, but they learn from that. I mean, they could say, Hey, you're a big dick, but I learned from you. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay with that because it made you a little bit better than when you started hmm. or made you a little enlightened. Great, it's that great lesson that like, even if someone's a dick, you can still find the good in them. Right. So Cause I take write them off. Right. So, so Trish, I'll tell you, I've learned the most out of bad leaders than I have. I mean, and it's sad to say, yeah. I've learned a lot out of bad leaders and I learned a lot out of good leaders, but I learned just as much out of bad leaders because that's what yeah. I didn't want to be. Exactly. Or bad, any kind of leader. And I say leader, when I say leader, I mean elder, or I mean right. somebody that's, someone that's above you or above me. Mm-hmm. They might, I might not work directly for them, but they're above me. Mm-hmm. And but I'd rather be the guy that was the good guy. Yeah, I could be. It's okay to be a dick when you're a good guy. <laughs> yeah. That means you care. Because if you yeah. didn't care, you wouldn't be a dick. You'd be like, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and that, that always meant a lot to me. Because that tough love is good sometimes. Yeah. And, and, yeah. Uh, and I don't think that you necessarily can do that much just being a pushover and a softy. Like sometimes no. you have to have healthy boundaries and showing young youngsters or younglings um what healthy boundaries look like, I think is also a, a wonderful thing that our generation is sort of like trying to navigate. Like we're right. trying to not be the super dick narcissist asshole that's like my way or the highway and you don't your voice doesn't count. But to be like, okay, I hear your voice, but he, <coughs> excuse me, uh-huh. <coughs> edit that shit out. 
<laughs> no, we're not editing that. That's 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 from the this heart. Perfect. That's from the heart. Shit. That's raw. <laughs> but but I I hear your voice, but we we're not going to do it that way because this this and this, mm-hmm. you know, um, or because we can't. <laughs> right, because the hardest the hardest thing as a leader was to let them do it their own way mm. and let them maybe fuck up, fail. It's okay though. It's hard. It's right. hard though because I know how it needs to be done and it's be yes. perfect and but do it your way. That's fine. We'll see what happens. I, I always present my team during our team meeting meetings with like some some things that we need to work on, and I ask them how do we solve the problem, knowing that I already know how we're going to solve mm-hmm. the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, but allowing them to have input and then being like, that's a great idea. And then let's do try that it a lot. Yeah. You know, then, yeah. then it, not only does it allow them to take ownership and passion because now they see that you're listening and, you know, because sometimes they say exactly what you, what you would have said, but yeah. it means so much more because they're saying it and the yes. leader is saying, oh, yes. that's a great idea. Let's do that. Even though you were planning on doing that the whole time. Right. 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 That's good though. Yeah. That means they thought of it without you telling them exactly how they got to do it. All the young people listening right now are like, God damn it. You manipulative sons of bitches. <laughs> you some manipulative. <laughs> and it's Actually, not- y'all get your speaking- turn. Y'all get your no. turn. Don't worry. Yeah, give speaking it of our listeners, tell our listeners where they can yes. find your podcast. Yes. Awesome. Yeah. You can find me on Instagram at Gen X voice. Um, and anywhere you listen to podcasts, I'm on a short break right now because um, you know, just lots of things that are happening in life and being able to reconnect with family and friends and an old flame, um, has made me think like, Ooh. I think I can take a little bit of time, you know, and, and, and chill out, but, um, well, I should be starting back up again shortly, but yeah, at Gen X voice. Yes, definitely. And, and Tris, be honest with you, this has been a, a, a decent podcast. I mean, we've ran a, a long time, podcast. not I mean like that. I mean, we've ran a decent amount of time. But I think there's more. Oh, for sure. And I want to dig in deeper at another time. Mm-hmm. Oh, I would love to dig in deeper. I, w- I want to go an in. An hour like, is not enough to learn about Trish. We could, we could have a part two of this shit. That's what I meant. Not It was a great podcast, but your life, we could dig into more is what, I'm, what I really meant to say. Well, and and I want to make sure that your listeners know that both of you have come on my podcast separately yes. and um, I've just enjoyed the hell out of both of you. And you guys are going to come back and talk about your experience in relationships and oh, third gosh, marriages yes. and, you know, yeah. being from slightly different generations. Like, so yeah, yeah, this is, this is a little, we're going to have lots more conversations. The three Definitely. Of us. And you know, we found a good friend in this podcast with you. Mm-hmm. And same, uh, Trish, same. I think you're a beautiful person inside and out Same. and keep doing what you're doing because, because I, I guarantee you, you inspired me. And mm-hmm. I if you can inspire me, you can inspire <laughs> a lot of other people. Cause I'm I not easily humbled. inspired. I'm not I'm easily humbled. inspired. I'm wow. hard to inspire. Cause I've seen a lot of shit, but you did it. You managed it. That means and, a lot. Uh, Thank you, brother. And uh, we're going to close out, but I want you to stick around for a quick second. But with that, we wish you fair winds and following seas.